Hello and welcome to the Kill Jane podcast. We have a slightly different podcast to usual, um, not just because we're doing it over the phone amid the lockdown, but also because we've had a lot of requests about case studies, um, so real life pest control situations and how they were dealt with. Um, so that is exactly what we've got for you this episode. Joining me remotely from his own home and via the phone is uh, Kill Germ's area sales manager, Tim Bloomer. Tim's been working here at Kill Germ for eight years now. Uh, and he's got 22 years experience in the industry. He's got ample hands-on experience having started as a technician and working his way through different roles in the industry. Tim will be speaking about forage flies and a job that he got involved with while supporting one of our customers. So Tim, I think in pest control, people tend to have a favorite pest to treat. Do you think it's fair to say that you've developed something of a passion for insect control? Oh, undoubtedly, yes. I mean, when I, when I started uh, 22 years ago, uh, I was determined to try and learn as much as possible. And I think uh, out of that came a passion, this passion for insect control because of the need to A, understand the insect to get a complete solution. Um, but also you have to, you have to be a real detective. You have to understand the nature of the insect, the breeding sites, and then investigate fully. And all that experience, that's not just through the textbook, that's through experience, all that experience I can now put to use in my, my role with Killgerm in terms of helping customers in a real practical way uh, and real life situations. Yeah, that, that's exactly what we're here to talk about now um, in, in the sense of the support work that you do and uh, you and the other area sales managers do. Can you just outline this specific situation? Yeah, this was probably a, a typical sort of call that we get in our day-to-day lives from customers where they may have some real expertise in a certain area of pest control, but because they don't deal with, with flies or certain insects on a day-to-day basis, they need some support. Mm. Uh, and this particular guy, had uh, his expertise is rural estates management, uh, rats, mice, large estates in the area in which he works, deer management, etc., um, and he got this call from a restaurant in, in a large urban environment where they had a serious fly problem. And he needed to understand uh, about the flies and uh, how they were affecting the business, etc. Um, restaurant itself, typical restaurant in an urban setting. Uh, and through talking to the customer, it became apparent that this, this restaurant had already lost about £2,000 in takings and through refunds. So there's a real need to get this problem sorted for the customer straight away. And that's not untypical for fly problems with restaurants. On top of that, of course, there was then the real concern that food hygiene was being compromised. Mm. And under the Food Safety Act, that could lead to all sorts of penalties with the environmental health. And also there were one or two um, um, reviews being put on various social media sites about the fly problem. So Again, further damage to reputation, which ultimately would cost that restaurant money. Yeah, so it'd be costing, like you said, the restaurant money. um, And I think the ultimate sort of goal from pest control is hygiene, really. That you know, that's why pest controllers are in a job. Yeah, it is, and it's it's not just hygiene. It's also, of course, protecting uh, the pest controllers' customers, the end user, if you like, against that sort of financial loss Mm. or prosecution. And ensuring that our customers, customers, if you like, are uh, protected against legal action, and are you know in the same way a pest controller has to comply with legislation. Um, so do food establishments. So what what were the first steps that you took then? What was the sort of initial course of action? 
Well, normally when we get these queries from customers, we can deal with a lot of it on the phone. You know, mm. experience, um, TTU, the sorts of things to look out for. And we, we try to get that across on the phone. And in this particular case, I started um, going through key features of the thighs with the customer. It became fairly apparent that it was going to be uh, a filter fly, a forehead fly type situation. But then as he started to describe the situation more and the nature of the restaurant, the way it's designed, the fact that it was built into an old cinema uh, with multiple possible breeding sites uh, and just the sheer size of the fly infestation, uh, it was going to need more than just telephone support. So we arranged that I'd go and see him later that afternoon and start helping him deal with the situation straight away. From that pest controller's point of view then, did, did he take the right steps? From his point of view, I think he took absolutely the right step in the first place in that he wasn't sure what he was dealing with, so he, he looked for advice elsewhere. Mm. With any any fly problem, uh, regardless of species, the absolute key to it is to get the right identification of that fly. And that, that's because uh, in order to solve the problem fully, you need to understand where the breeding site is. And all different species of flies have a different requirement for their breeding site and the food source that the larvae need to develop. Once you understand that, then you start to then investigate where those breeding sites are likely to be. And it's the removal of the breeding site that really has to be the first part of any good fly control program. Just using insecticides, yes, you'll get rid of the adults temporarily, but you're not going to stop the reinfestation. And that's going to lead to unhappy customers, it's going to lead to harm to your reputation, mm. and, and of course, you're never going to solve the problem. Yeah, Carl, that, that's a bit. It's a very short-term fix, isn't it? It's, and it, your customer's going to think that you're not doing your job right because they've they've come back. But in reality, it's it's about the larvae. Yeah, it is, and and of course, in my my humble opinion, um, that's that investigation part is probably the most fun part you can have in pest control. <laughs> right. Okay. So. In that situation, then, you, you know, you're aware that you have a serious infestation of flies and then you visited the site with the customer, yeah? Yes, indeed. And on that first visit, when somebody describes there's an awful lot of flies, we were talking hundreds, if not thousands, of small, uh, as they turned out to be, forehead flies. Right. Um, now, for those that don't know, the forehead fly is a fairly small fly. It's three to four mil in length, very similar to a filter fly. Uh, in that they've got almost opaque wings. Um, the thorax is dark brown, tan, almost black in colour. But they have a very distinctive humped thorax, and that's the giveaway. And in this situation, we weren't talking about a handful of flies. We were talking hundreds, if not thousands, across a very, very large restaurant. Uh, as I said before, this was built into an old cinema to give you an idea of the scale. Mm. Um, in terms of their, their biology, etc., I mean, the, the female foreign fly lays approximately 40 eggs over a period of around about 12 hours. And they're looking to lay those eggs into decaying organic matter. Generally, that also needs to be quite damp. Right. So, so straight away, we're, we're, we're getting into the realms of starting to look for standing moisture, dirty standing moisture that could be collecting in any, any number of areas. And in this particular restaurant, there were going to be a lot of potential breeding sites. The fly, flies will then, once they've laid the eggs, the eggs will hatch approximately after 24 hours. And then depending upon the usual environmental conditions of humidity, temperature, quality of the breeding site and the breeding food, 
they will develop between 8 to 16 days um, in, before they pupate, and then you've got the next round of adult flies emerging. Ideal conditions, life cycle from egg to adult is completed in about 14 days. Uh, and in this case, it was fairly apparent they probably got pretty ideal conditions to breed in. So there, yeah, you can see that the, the technical knowledge that you've built up has helped you straight away then. Yes, it had. I mean, clearly, easy identification, leading us straight to where the potential breeding sites were going to be. But that was when we, we encountered the first possible problem in that the restaurant was still trading. Uh, and it had another three nights of trading and booked customers before you could carry out a full investigation because of the size of the site. Uh, and so we, we spoke to the manager and we agreed that what we would do is to carry out uh, a holding treatment, if you like, a knockdown treatment using a, an Exodus Fogger in order to get rid of the current adult flies. And then also we installed four small glue board fly killers in various parts of the site just to try and mitigate the activity of the adult flies over the next few nights. From there, it was agreed that uh, on one of the days it was closed, we would go back uh, in conjunction with their maintenance team and a builder in order to spend um, a considerable amount of time actually thoroughly investigating the problem and getting to the absolute root cause um, because it was it was really was clear that this was a fairly significant breeding site giving rise to a significant fly problem. So you spoke then about um, a treatment that you did with the Exodus Fogger on the first visit. Uh, could you expand a little bit more on that? Yes, I mean, that decision was made because, again, the scale of the, the building itself, you know, the ceilings, for example, uh, were, what, six, seven metres high? Big, big volume of an area, as you can imagine, with an old cinema. Mm. Uh, there was a balcony which was used as a cocktail bar. Uh, and the kitchen was actually installed on the old stage. Um, so it's a big volume. It needed a treatment that was going to be easily carried out and to try and knock the flies out of the atmosphere. And then fogging, fogging was the answer. Um, my customer already had an exodus. Uh, and we were able to use Aquapi, which is pyrethrin-based, in order to provide that treatment efficiently, effectively, and in the safest possible way with minimum disruption to the client who owns the restaurant themselves. So after those three days have passed and you've gone back in for the revisit, what areas did you then investigate? Okay, so this, this, at this point the restaurant's closed. We've got a builder with us. And we're essentially trying to identify uh, where water could collect mm. um, with organic matter with it in order to provide this breeding site. Now, that breeding site, potentially it was a needle in a haystack because you could be talking anything from a teaspoonful of damp material through to something very significant in size. Right. So the first area we, we looked at was the kitchen, would be a fairly obvious area, but in this particular case, the kitchen was absolutely spotless. So very quickly, we could eliminate the kitchen as a breeding site for this particular problem. Mm. Uh, then we went up onto the balcony uh, where the cocktail bar is, it's a typical bar area. Um, behind the bar, in terms of construction, everything you would expect to see. But there were very various areas, and these are small areas, but these are the sorts of areas you need to look for. Uh, so there were three or four up there. First one was the silicon sealant behind the hand wash sink had started to come away from the wooden structure of the bar and where where the cleaners are mopping the worktops. Over a period of time, they will start to push moisture and some of that dirt and dust 
underneath that seal. Right. And that's the sort of, that's typically the sort of small area you're looking for. Alongside that, they had a vinyl floor covering and there were several places where that was split or it was curling away. And again, when they're mopping the floors, they're mopping all that organic matter, dirt, dust, uh, food debris with that moisture into those cracks and crevices. And the final area up there was the wheeled, small wheeled bins that are used to dispose of all the empty bottles. And in the bottom of there, there were, there was damp newspaper and cardboard. And it was full of liquid spillages, and there were adult flies clearly present in that. Right. However, that none of those were really going to be big enough to give rise to the level of flies. And we formed the opinion that perhaps these were satellite breeding sites that were being found by flies emerging from, a, from somewhere else in the building. Um, we moved downstairs to the restaurant bar, and here there was a large, typically, coffee machine, which was actually placed on wooden blocks and underneath that there was a, a very significant pool of water full of coffee grinds and that sort of thing and again that's a, a typical breeding site which just needs some good hygiene but again not too many flies in there so suspicion again this was a satellite breeding site mm. then we started to get i think to the level of the problem we went into the basement corridor and this is where most of the activity was anyway and at this point, you're starting to think possibly a drain problem, that sort of thing. But the, the four-inch waste pipe, main waste pipe, was actually bolted to the wall. So that was easy to investigate, and there were no leaks there. That ran out to the main inspection chamber outside the building through the end wall, very tight to the wall. And around the base of that, there was actually a lot of uh, expanding foam been installed recently. And it turns out that was probably an attempt to try and stop the flies from emerging around that waste point. Yeah. So we started to pull some of that out, started to investigate around the waste pipe itself. And as you shone a torch down there, flies started to emerge from a small hole, which led us to believe that perhaps the flies were breeding either around the pipe or within the cavity of the wall. Uh, before we got involved with the builders, started to take brickwork out. We then investigated outside, we investigated the inspection chamber, nothing going on there. The ground outside was actually about three feet higher, but there was a small gap between the wall of the building we're working in and the building next door. And it did appear that perhaps stormwater or water where they were hosing the binyard down was, was seeping into that gap. On this particular occasion, we also went next door to see if they'd got any leaking pipes that ran into that, that uh, the party wall as well. So this was a thorough, very thorough investigation. Yeah, that's a lot of investigating. It is. Uh, the inevitable conclusion was that actually the breeding site somehow was getting into that cavity wall. At this point, we actually got the builders to start taking breeze blocks out of the internal uh, wall of the cavity. Right. And once we'd exposed the cavity, um, we were greeted with what could only be described as a cloud of flies. And at that point, you kind of breathe a, breathe a big sigh of relief because you've just asked the builder to start taking a wall apart and perhaps you've just found the breeding site. Investigation of the base of that cavity wall, it was sodden. The brickwork was sodden. And it, it did lead to the conclusion that actually a lot of this water collecting was probably coming from outside and seeping into the cavity along with organic matter from the bins and things like this. And that was the main breeding site exposed. 
Right. So you've you've at this point then you've after a lot of work you've identified the breeding site. Um, yes. What treatment plan was then devised? Well, the, the key the key point to this, as I said earlier on, is absolutely to find the breeding site and remove that breeding site. Yeah. And therefore, the first part of this treatment program was always likely to be environmental, if you like, in its nature. So drying out the walls, drying out the cavity, dehumidifying the area, and with regards to the bar areas, carrying out all the hygiene that we've spoken about to remove standing water, reseal all the broken seals, reseal the gaps in the floors, and do all that sort of environmental, physical type stuff up front. To, in order to uh, assist with controlling adult flies as they were still emerging during that process, because that was going to be a two-week process. We kept the fly killers in place, and they were picking off the adult flies as they were emerging. Once all that was done, uh, the, the wall was then reinstated by the builders, and every single gap, crack, crevice that could possibly lead from that cavity was thoroughly sealed. And so ultimately, the problem was actually solved with very little chemical treatment because the only chemical that was ever put into that treatment was actually going to be the initial fogging. So one treatment with aquapot. That then ultimately did need, or it's going to need, uh, some serious remedial works by building company in order to figure out exactly how the water's getting in there in the first place. But that's clearly way beyond the remit of a pest controller. Mm. But as far as the restaurant owner and manager were concerned, their problem with the flies have been solved and then they can they can resolve the, the, the water ingress over a longer period. I think the obvious question now, Tim, is did it work? As I just said, yeah, I think it did, obviously, because, um, number one, the restaurant had no flies. Mm. Uh, actually, in the restaurant, the complaints from customers stopped and they were able to carry on trading. Uh, so from their point of view, it was a win. In terms of the, uh, our customer, um, the pest controller in this, uh, he carried out one treatment, but he also got paid for all that investigation work. Right. Uh, and that, that that survey took best part of four hours, plus a few follow-up visits to help the builders. So it's not always about spraying chemicals or using pesticides to get paid. It's also about doing thorough surveys and actually charging for the surveys. So in this situation, I think it was a win-win for everybody. Well, everyone loves a happy ending, don't they, Tim? Um, well, thank you for joining me today. Um, I know you're, you're still busy despite all the lockdown and everything, so I really appreciate that. Okay, mate. Perfect. Cheers, Tim. All right. Cheers, Ian. Take care. Now, the code that you need for your basis prompt CPD points for this episode of the Kill Germ podcast is TB-PF-0420. That's tb pf Dash zero four two zero. For full instructions on how to claim your CPD points for both Basis Prompt and the BPCA, head to either of the first two episodes of the Killjoy Podcast where I explain in full. As I said right at the start of the podcast, this one is a slightly different format to usual. Um, let us know what you thought of it. There's scope to do a few more if it goes down well, so let your local ASM know and that will get back to me or just tell us on social media. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.